Hello everyone. Before we get started with this podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we're meeting today, which for us in Canberra is the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and thank them for taking such good care of the lands of this city and region. We'd also like to acknowledge the custodians of all the lands from where anybody listening to this podcast today is joining us from. So I think one of the key things that the network does is start conversations and raises visibility of what it is to perhaps have a disability or a health condition and be a carer. And so sometimes it's really about raising awareness for whether it's for staff or managers or colleagues, suddenly to perhaps if they don't have lived experience, it's about developing awareness and empathy of what their colleagues may need. I think there are so many powerful insights to learn and understand from someone who has a deep and intimate connection with maybe a system or a service or a particular issue or a story. Navigating those things in depth as, as a person with lived experience, I think, is, is incredibly powerful. Welcome to Public Sector Unearthed, a Work With Purpose spin-off series about the people who drive grassroots change in Australia's public sector. My name is Megan Aponte-Payne and I work at the Department of Industry, Science and Resources and I'll be your host for today's episode. On Public Sector Unearthed, we're putting people and their stories front and centre. Our guests talk about their journeys in the public service and how they're making a difference through their work, through their mentoring, their networks and the real-life promotion of the values and the purpose of the public sector. In this intro, you've just heard from two staff members from the Committee of the Department of Health and Aged Care's Disability and Carers Network. They are Danny Woods, who is the Director of the New Ways of Working team, and Olympia Saris, who is the Departmental Officer in the Lived Experience section. As they're scattered across Australia, we spoke with them online about their public service journeys, their work, and their involvement in the Department's Disability and Carers Network. We were also meant to be joined by Zoe Tassica, who is also the chair of the network, but she sadly had to step out due to illness. We wish her a speedy recovery. The network supports and advocates for public servants with a disability, as well as for those who are neurodivergent or those who are carers. And it helps others to develop a greater understanding of diversity. As you will hear in a bit, Danny's work also contributes to making workspaces more accessible and disability friendly making an important contribution to turning the APS into a model employer. Let's hear from them now. Welcome to you all. It's fantastic to have you all on Unearthed. Before we get started, could I please ask what your pronouns are? Olympia? Thanks, Megan. My pronouns are she and her. Fantastic. And Danny? I'm also a she and her. Great. Thanks for that. Before we talk a bit more about the network, in a few words, what brought each of you to the public service? Olympia. Yeah. um, So I guess I was interested in joining the public service and um, the Department of Health and Aged Care in particular um, because I spent some time navigating the health system myself as a young person with um, chronic diseases and also with the lived experience of mental ill health. Um, And I I have also had the privilege to work with and to learn from other people um, who 
who are also navigating the health um, and other systems and whose experiences of health and of the health system have been very different to my own. Um, and I guess so through my own personal experiences and also these interactions with other people, um, I became very interested in understanding and also contributing to how governments um, listen to people's stories when they're making decisions and also when designing public policies and um, programs. That's fantastic. Sounds like you'd bring such a a user-centric experience to it. Um, And Danny, what about you? I've got a background in marketing and communications and prior to joining the public service, I worked in non-profit sectors in international aid and then also in private sector consulting here and overseas. And around 16 years ago, when I was looking at what I wanted to do next, I suddenly realised actually there were a lot of opportunities in the public service to use the professional skills in terms of communication and engaging with stakeholders that I hadn't really thought about the breadth um, that I could use my professional skills in the public service. So I joined uh, just over 16 years ago. Amazing. Presumably haven't looked back. It's all good. (laughs) How did this journey lead you to Uh, both join the Disability and the Carers Network and what are you doing there now? We'll go to you first, Danny. I, uh, one of the roles I had in the Department of Health and Aged Care was to be the Director of Corporate Communications and Diversity. So the role I had, particularly nine years ago, was to work with the different staff networks within the department and that's how I got to know the Disability and Carers Network. And I was hearing a lot of people coming up to me and saying, that they didn't feel comfortable letting their managers know that they had a disability or Mm -hmm. that they had caring responsibilities because they thought that it might impact their career, but they still actually wanted assistance and they wanted advocacy. And so that's where they perhaps joined the network or they were hoping that the network would represent them. So um, that's how I became originally aware of and involved in the network. And then I had um, some lived experience insofar as uh, I went horse riding seven years ago and fell off and had a stroke. So I did actually have an acquired brain injury. And so then sort of coming at it from that perspective, and I have two children and one of whom um, is neurodiverse. So I sort of came to realise that apart from being a parent, I actually was a carer and that came with a different set of um, sort of expectations and needs as well as obviously love for my son. And then uh, my daughter, unfortunately, was in a major car accident and had an acquired disability. So suddenly, um, after being someone who thought, oh, having a a disability and carers network is a really good idea, I suddenly became someone who it actually would help personally and wanted to use that experience to help others. And Olympia, what about for you? Yeah, thanks, Megan. Um, So I guess a huge reason for me joining the Disability and Carers Network almost the moment I joined the department was to meet other people like Danny um, and also people working in the department for a lot longer than I had and to to understand how others approached bringing their whole selves to work um, and drawing from their personal stories and their connections with the diverse work we do across the health and aged care portfolio um, in a really thoughtful, sensitive and meaningful way. Um, I was also really interested to to just learn and to open my mind to people's different experiences um, and to, to contribute to a group that's um, 
invested in creating a more inclusive and supportive workplace and also um, for raising a, a group that raises awareness for issues that are of particular um, closeness and interest to my heart. Oh, fantastic. It sounds like a great intersection of both you know, corporate policy as well as, as lived experiences and the human experience, which is, you know, the key, I think. Danny, can you tell us a bit more about some of the key things that the network is achieving to make the APS more disability and neurodiverse and carer friendly? Certainly. So I think one of the key things that the network does is start conversations and raises visibility of what it might like what it is to perhaps have a disability or a health condition and be a carer. And so sometimes it's really about raising awareness of for whether it's for staff or managers or colleagues, suddenly to perhaps if they don't have lived experience, it's about developing awareness and empathy of what their colleagues may need. So I think that's sort of a key element, which is sort of starting to break down the taboos and share information. Uh, so they're sort of um, some of the things we do and we're often invited along to go to inductions of uh, new graduates or run meetings um, and sessions in branch meetings and actually just talk about what the network does because sometimes we are involved in having input into internal corporate policies as you've just referred to. So it might be about how our workplace adjustments policy and our workplace passports actually work in reality or sometimes it's about being an advocate of when we're looking at internal policies of thinking, how would that affect someone who may have a disability or how might that affect someone who is a carer? So we're involved in those types of things. And um, there's also actually a lot of online and face-to-face learning opportunities within the department around a whole variety of topics, some of which include um, elements related to disability, some that might be focusing on how to help someone Uh, who may be neurodiverse or a whole range of different elements. So we promote those. We're a sponsor of a Focus on Ability film festival. It's actually started in Australia and is global. And so it's actually about focusing on the abilities of people with disability as, um, as a key component of why people can be proud and what they, we all do contribute um, as people who work for the department. Fantastic. I really love how you spoke about raising awareness as well, because I think so often you might have an issue and you feel like you're the only person, but when you hear that there are other people, peers, colleagues, maybe even uh, people higher up in the department who actually have caring responsibilities or are neurodiverse, then you feel like you're not alone in speaking up. So I think that's fantastic. Um, Olympia, just like Danny, you bring your own lived experience, which we've talked a bit about, to the committee. Could you tell me a bit about why representation of the lived experience is so important to you? Yeah, thank you. Um, and I think Danny mentioned something in what she was saying just before around empathy. And for me, I think that's a huge part of it. It's um, listening to people with lived experience and also ensuring that lived experience leaders and voices are included. Um, it's a really powerful opportunity to to foster empathy and understanding and um, I think there are so many um, so many powerful insights to to learn and understand from someone who has 
a deep and intimate connection with maybe a system or a service or a, um, a particular issue or um, a story, navigating those things in, in depth as, as a person with lived experience, I think is, is incredibly powerful. Um, and yeah, I guess celebrating the expertise that comes with living through something um, to me is, is of huge, huge important and also um, benefit to considering the work that we do as public servants. Absolutely. And, and Danny, I guess your job is to kind of convert those lived experiences to, to corporate policies. And I know that next to your engagement in the network, accessibility is also a large part of your day job. Um, I hear that every day you're working on making the offices in the APS more disability friendly. So I was wondering if in your own words, you could paint a picture for us of what an accessible office looks like. I can. and I'm actually very proud of uh, the work that the whole Department of Health and Aged Care has been doing, particularly over the last three years, to make our office spaces what we would call, uh, well, dignified access is what we refer to. But also, uh, I represent a program called the New Ways of Working, and we have one of our guiding principles is, is inclusion is at the bedrock of all that we do. And so that means that the physical and, well, we're wanting to do physical fit-outs um, of our buildings around Australia that um, very much provide dignified access. So that means that the way we thoughtfully design our spaces are actually making them fabulous for everyone. So it's not about necessarily someone with a disability or a health condition thinking, how do I navigate the space? How do I use the space? We actually want to design it preemptively so that whether you do have a vision impairment, whether you do have a mobility issue, whether you are neurodiverse, whether there's, um, I'm, I don't probably won't list them all, but um, that broadly that you think this place is designed for me and you might need to ask someone for help and that's okay, but broadly that we've thought about what is it like to use those spaces. So we've had um, over the last few years, dignified access consultants give us advice on what does a dignified access space look like. And so I might just um, talk through some of those specific elements. And so when you come into one of our spaces, and by the way, we're, we're about halfway into doing all the buildings um, that we have, and we'll, we'll sort of reach about 85% next year and then continue on. But when you walk in, um, it's thoughtful choices ranging from corridor widths, so that they're particularly wide, not just for COVID being COVID safe, but it's really thinking, well, what if there was a staff member and their assistance dog um, and then other people and having room and not having to feel that someone has to walk around you or the flooring choices that we use that make it very easy if you were using a mobility device or the way that we choose our carpet so that um, it would take less effort to move your wheelchair or a Wheatley Walker or the way that we do our corridors in different flooring types so that if you did have a cane, you could tell that you were moving from one area to another. Uh, all our workstations are premium ergonomic in terms of the fact they're all sit-stand, they've all got premium ergonomic chairs and adjustable monitors and that's so that we can, apart from preventative health um, and, and looking after our staff, that means that if someone has a particular need, they don't need to necessarily ask for it. It's just already organised for them. So I know that for some people's uh, disabilities, noise and lighting is really important. So we've created what we call 
team zones where we say that's for when you want to have conversation, uh, learning from your peers. You might be on a, a an online call. That's all great. But if you actually need peace and quiet to focus, you go to a focus zone and there are no phone calls. There's there's no voices, um, and that can give someone who needs um, that type of space the ability to do that without needing to feel that they need to um, walk away or um, move into meeting rooms. We purposefully um, have low lighting areas because we know that there are people who have migraines or a whole range of other elements that really benefit from that dimmed lighting. So um, when we design spaces, there's um, focus zones that are low lighting and also team zones that are low lighting. We think about how we do um, meeting rooms in terms of furniture placement so that they're accessible and door widths, um, how easy it is to even open doors uh, so that we we have those elements as well. So they're just, oh, even um, the way we do our signage so and Braille in terms of whether someone may have a, a vision impairment or whether um, someone just needs a bit of help and a descriptor and a pictogram with pictures to show them um, the spaces they might need to use. So they're just a, a range of the, the different ways we design our spaces. That sounds fantastic and it sounds like you've got a really cool job as well. Um, Olympia, as a final question, I wanted to ask you about your lived experience of these dignified access um, spaces that um, Danny's talking about and whether they've made a difference for you. Yeah, great question. Um, I would say absolutely. And I think um, something that I'm very grateful to being to the Disability and Carers Network, though, and being part of the conversation is I joined the department and probably wasn't aware of all the work that was going on. Um, and yeah, didn't understand and appreciate it as, as well as I would have liked to. And then through being a part of the DCN, having conversations with Danny as our, um, both a member and also a representative of the New Ways of Working team, um, I've I've noticed things a lot more and also felt safer and more comfortable to to make use of the the thoughtful designs and um, to ask for things if maybe they're not there um, or I can't immediately find them. Um, and I'd say, yeah, having having the opportunity to create a workspace that really meets my um, needs makes a huge difference to, um, yeah, becoming, being able to come to work, bring my whole self to work and also contribute effectively. So um, I think, yeah, it's, it's quite exciting to see all the changes and to be part of the conversation too, I think is um, the real privilege there. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Well, look, thank you both for joining us on Unearth today. It's been a real honour listening to your stories and the difference that you're both making for people in the public sector, particularly people with caring responsibilities or with disabilities. Listeners, we hope you've enjoyed hearing from Olympia and Danny today. What struck me the most was it sounds like the Department of Health is really listening to the committee that Olympia and Danny are on and listening to those lived experiences and really, I think, walking the walk, not just talking the talk. And it sounds like a really great place to work where things are really happening. And I know a lot of people would be benefiting from those experiences. And I hope with time, perhaps you can share your experiences with other departments as well. So we can also be at the front of the curve, like it sounds like you guys are. What did you enjoy about this story? 
Let us know by leaving a comment on our social media channels or even better, by writing a review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify and many other podcast platforms. Work With Purpose is produced in collaboration between Content Group and the Institute of Public Administration Australia, ACT, supported by the Australian Public Service Commission. Public Sector Unearthed will return in a fortnight. This podcast is produced in partnership with Content Group and the APS Reform Office. Until next time.